And the big thing today that we're talking about is, is love and uh, that God is love in him is, is all the love. And if we want to reflect who God is, then we reflect love and literally everything that we do. But there are some things that I just flat out don't love. Like I was just thinking about that. Like it's silly, but like seriously, like one of my biggest pet peeves has become like if you go to the gym and people wipe down equipment and they, they're like saturated, wet, nasty, that's gross. And the alternative to that then that you also don't love is when butt sweat is left. Like that's gross too. Um, that's nasty. Like, come on now. So like it's one or the other, right? I don't know. I don't get it. But like, uh, so you've got that. People that like just drive like idiots on the highway and then like they drive past you. Like you're, you know, you're already being stupid because you're doing 80, right? And they drive past you like you're just standing still. And you're like, what's the first reaction that you have with those people? Oh, I hope there's a cop up here. Like, <laughs> And so all these different things, we, we have all these different things that we don't love. And, uh, but man, it, it's really placed out there for us because if you really think about it, when we talked week one, and if you haven't heard the week one message yet, I definitely challenge you to go, to go uh, listen to it. But we talked about this time period of 400 years where there was not really a prophetic word from God that was heard from anybody. And in that time period, there were different rulers that came to be and, and they stripped the, the, the Jews of, of literally anything that, that created them to have identity. They no longer had that identity in themselves. And so there was this giant war that took place and, and all these different things happened. But in all of this time, they had hope because they knew that, that Isaiah, that, that Malachi, that Micah, that all these different prophets prophesied that Jesus would be coming in the human form. And so they had hope, even in, in through all the chaos and everything that was going on, they had hope. And then we know that people find joy in different things, but what we learned about joy was something a little bit different, is that uh, a lot of times we see this in Hobby Lobby. I talked about this last week a little bit, but, but people use this term like, hey, choose joy. You should just choose joy. Joy is not something that you can just choose. Talk to anybody that, that suffers with some uh, mental illness or anything with that, like, man, it's so hard to find joy sometimes in the, in the small things. And sometimes even in the season, this season is a hard season sometimes for us. And I think one of the biggest reasons why it's a hard season is because we put so much on ourselves to make something of it. Instead of just enjoying it, instead of just being with friends, being with family, we put so much emphasis on, on going out and putting ourselves in debt over the, the latest PlayStations or the newest video games and all these different things. And we want to be able to be there and give stuff to our family and to our friends. But at the same time, we just drive ourselves to a place that we're constantly filled with worry and, and, and we're always filled with just complete chaos and trying to make schedules work and everything else. And it just becomes a time that is completely exhausting. So I was thinking, it's crazy to think about how this baby, little baby Jesus came to be so stinking loved. You know, uh, when you really think about the Christmas story and all these different moving parts to it, uh, we learn about two groups of people uh, that loved Jesus before they even put their eyes on him. Uh, the first one, I mean, you think about the shepherds. Uh, an angel appears to the shepherds and, and they literally, they're out here in their fields and they're working and they're surrounded by their sheep and their, their flock. And what do they do? They immediately drop everything to go and to worship this little baby Jesus. They 
loved him without ever even putting their eyes on him. And then I think about these three kings, these, these scientists or these magi or however it is that you want to you wanna look at these guys. And, and, and here they are, they're, they're, they're confronted by Herod, who's the king. And he's like, hey, I need to know where this baby is. Like, I want to go pay my respects. But they were smart. They knew that that is not what King Herod wanted. King Herod was not about wanting to go and worship this baby Jesus. King Herod was all about confronting him and being done with him. He was scared of him. But man, these magi loved him so much that they, they sent King Herod on a wild goose chase. And, uh, and these guys, they came and they worshiped Jesus and they brought their best. They brought everything that they had to offer and they gave it to him. And so I was thinking today, could you hit that button that I told you to hit? I was thinking about this today as I was driving in and, and uh, I was thinking about light. And in scripture, it talks about how Jesus is love, but it also talks about how he is the light of the world, that his light never burns out, that you can see his light wherever you're at. And so I thought about this today. You know, this one light represents the thing that can light up any darkness. And like I said a little bit ago, this season, as much joy as there is to be had, there's a lot of people that, that really follow this season in darkness with struggle. You know, broken families and broken hearts and, and, and struggles with, with all these different things that people tend to struggle with during this season. But what we're constantly reminded of is just as that night when the shepherds, when the, the magi were coming to see Jesus, there was one light that guided the way. And it showed the way to where they could come and they could experience a love that they had never experienced before. What I love about light, and, and, and especially something like this, I don't know if many of you are like me or not, but light drives me nuts when I'm trying to sleep. Like, it's so stupid, too, because I can lay in my, my room all day long if I wanted to. I could go in there at night and I could watch a movie, I could, whatever, but it's that one stupid red light. Anybody have one of those red lights in their room somewhere? And for whatever reason, it can't be seen any other time except for when it is that you're going to bed. But it seems like that light lights up the entire room. And I'm telling you what, if you go into our room, okay, there are some things in our room that have duct tape over them because I can't stand that stinking light. And so, uh, and, and you have to black it out. But what I love about that idea though, is that even in the darkest of places, even when you feel like you can't escape, even when you feel like there's, there's no light around, nothing to guide you, Jesus' light always shines through and will always guide you in the direction that you're calling. So I think about today, love. John puts it very clearly to us that that God is love. I'm not going to read the scripture. If you want to read the scripture, you can go to 1 John chapter 4 later. But, but he, he makes it very clear that God is love. And all of these different things that surround him point to him being love. And, and so the real reality of it comes down in this season to us is this, is that if we want to be known by something, if we call ourselves Christians and walk around proclaiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then the true reality of it is, is that people need to know us by our love. 
And I think too many times and too often we find ourselves in a place that we don't allow that to take place because, well, we get frustrated with things. We don't like the way that things are looking. We don't like the way that things act. We don't like certain people. We don't like attitudes that people have. You know, I used to have this attitude about me when I first started ministry, even before that. Um, thank, thank the Lord that I don't have it as much anymore. I still have it a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. But man, like this, I don't give a crap attitude. Like, I don't care what they think. Man, I don't care. Or that real blunt attitude. Like, I'm just going to be honest with them. They're idiots. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and man, the Lord has really helped me with that one. But like, uh, we need to be known by our love. If, if we're going to sit here and talk about God and share the love of God and, and, and tell people about Jesus, then it has to be reflected. Just as we've talked about this, this past few weeks with love and then with joy and with peace and with hope. But there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, that I think the message writes it the best. And, and so it says this, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of its mystery and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything that I own to the poor, even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Man, that is a statement from Paul that hits deep. Because here's what he's doing. He's pointing out all these things that we do, all these different things that can happen. And then he's saying, but none of it matters. If you can't have love, if you don't love when you do it, then none of it mattered. Didn't matter how powerful that you shared the word with somebody. It didn't matter how, how perfectly it came across. It doesn't matter how many people that, that you've helped lead to Jesus Christ. If, if you don't love, if you don't share that love, then it's nothing. And then he even goes on to as far as saying, listen, if you have so much faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it literally jumps, or if, if you're able to go to the stake to be burned as a martyr because you have proclaimed the name of Jesus and you go anywhere for it and you're willing to die for it and you die for your faith, but in all of that, you never loved. You're nothing. Think about that statement for just a minute. So what is it today that you're doing? That he's coming back and saying, man, but where's the love in that? You know, you're like, no, no, no. Like I do everything in love. I, everything that I do is, is I'm, I'm just love. I just love everything. I'm in love with everything. I'm good. You ever, let me ask you this. Be real with me. Like, you don't have to tell me this, but like, seriously, you ever like pulled up somebody and they're like, hey, I need $5 for some Chick-fil-A because that's Jesus food, right? And so you're like, so what'd you do? You, you roll down your window, you gave that person $5, but what'd you do when you drove off? They're just going to spend it on alcohol. They're just going to buy drugs with it. I don't know why I ever bothered. Is that love? Like, man, that's, the, that's like a perfect example, right? Like, I've been there. I've done that. Like, I've handed somebody some money. I'm like, dude, I should have just given them some Chick-fil-A. Like, what am I doing here? But there was no love in that. So that action was completely void. Like, what, what was I doing Because love is sacrifice. Love is sacrifice, and love isn't always easy. 
I'll be real. Love is difficult sometimes. My wife, she taught me something really early in our marriage. Well, it was even before we were married. It was when we were still dating. But she had this saying, and I didn't like it at first, but I I, I grew to like it because I understand it now. Um, But she said this. She looked at me one day and and just really blunt. She's kind of mean sometimes. Hurts my feelings. Um, I got a story about like marriage counseling at one point uh, before we got married, but I'll tell that another time. It was bad. I got in so much trouble over that one. Um, I'll, I'll tell you anyways. I don't care. I got some time. Uh, so we, we had to take a test, all right? Yeah, you're going to hear this. I don't care if you like it or not. We had to take a test about whether or not we were compatible, and uh, I didn't like taking tests. I still don't like taking tests. And it was like a 300-question test. Like, who gives, like, some people that are getting ready to get married, a 300-question test? And so, like, by question three, I was done, and I just started circling answers. And uh, so when we went and sat down with, with this couple that was going to counsel us, the first thing they did was separate us into different rooms. And the husband sat there, and he said, you're safe here. And I said, well, thank you. <laughs> and he's like, we need to talk about this. This is serious. And then in the other room, I hear, What? <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm not safe anymore. Like, so apparently I, in this test, it came back that Kristen's severe drinking problems uh, had a huge issue on our relationship because she was extremely abusive to me during that time. So (laughs) you just needed to know that today. Merry Christmas. But she, but she taught me something. She, she taught me this saying, she would say this. She'd say, Richie, I, I don't always have to like you, but I do love you. So even the times that I was being a giant turd, like she, she loved me, but she didn't always like me. And so I was always kind of like, okay, like, good saying, whatever. Well, we had kids. I understood it a lot better at that point. You know, we look at Peyton and it's like, dude, always love you, but I really don't like you. And I think we've said that a couple times. So I'm like, I really don't like you right now, but dude, I love you. Just got to work on that. Carly, on the other hand, we always like her. We always love her. She's the perfect child. Uh, she's my favorite daughter, only daughter, but favorite daughter. Um, no, she's a giant turd too. Um, but, but, but that's the reality with love is that a lot of times it, it's, it's hard. It's difficult because there's a lot of things that go on with love. And, and, and Paul's writing in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he goes on to say a couple things. He says this, that love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always a me first mentality. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of sins of others and doesn't reveal when others grovel. Man, Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. So when we look at love sacrifice, for a lot of that, that's difficult. For a lot of us, some of those things are extremely difficult because you may have been through things. You may have been through some issues. You may have struggled with some different things and you're sitting here going, well, how could I love somebody? Let me flip that on you. What about Jesus? I mean, the true reality of it is, is that we constantly mess up. 
We're constantly doing things that we shouldn't do, saying things that we shouldn't say. I'm sure I've said many things from this stage that I shouldn't have said. I'm going to get in trouble today when we go home. But Jesus loves us anyways. And so if we are called to reflect him, if we were made in his image and his likeness, then we should portray love even in the most difficult times. And it's difficult. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not. There's a lot of people in my life that I love that I just really wish I didn't. But if I'm going to reflect Jesus, if I'm going to reflect who he is, I need to love. Because Paul continues on and says this, love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And then he finishes with this one, love never dies. Love never fails. Love conquers all. Love, love is this, this, this thing that we are blessed with that can, that can change any situation. I told you last week that, that joy is perspective. It's a perspective. How, do you, how can you flip? How can you flip the perspective to be able to find joy in the situation? Same thing with love. Yeah, you may struggle with a certain person. You may struggle with a certain thing. But how can you flip that to find the love to reflect who Jesus is? Because if, listen, if we are truly called to share his word and to spread his message and to be his hands and his feet, then what should we truly be doing? In John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins. I mean, think about that just for a moment. He says that, that he created us in his likeness, in his image. He didn't like what he was seeing. He didn't like the turmoil, the, the craziness that was happening. He didn't like the, this religious circle of, of all this emptiness that was going on. No, what he wanted was his people to be free. And so he sent his love, he sent his one and only son to die for us so that we could be set free. Talk about love. Love sacrifice? That was for you. That was for me. That was for your friend. That was for the person at the gym that saturates the seats. That's for the one at the gym with the butt sweat. That's for the person that goes flying by you on the highway. That's for the person at McDonald's that cussed you out for whatever you did, Pastor Doug. And uh, that love was for literally everyone. So I'm going to challenge you today. I've challenged you each week this, this series. I'm going to challenge you to something today. And this is something that I'm challenging you to right now. Because from, from day one of this series, we said that we're going to live for now, for today. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. It's, it's very easy for us to keep pushing stuff off. You know, with New Year's coming up, what do we do? I want to wait till New Year's to get things started. It's, it's, a, it's a stinking day. Like, seriously, like, why do we wait until a specific day to get things rolling? Why not today? Why not right now? For some of you, you're like, hey, I want nothing to do with New Year's Day. That's so cliche. That's like Valentine's Day. It's a Hallmark holiday. I'm not going to celebrate anything on New Year's Day. So I'm going to celebrate on Groundhog's Day. I'm going to start new things on Groundhog's Day. That's fine, whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you this right now. I want to challenge you to today. So here's my challenge. You each have a phone in your hand. 
Maybe it's in your purse. Maybe it's in your pocket. I want to challenge you today. Who is it that needs to hear these words? I love you. Now, I'm, I'm going to challenge you something. Before you do anything, okay? Before you do anything, this is a challenge. This isn't just a, a, an easy thing sometimes. I don't want you to text your best friend or your spouse, be like, hey, love you, just wanted you to know. Like, dude, they know. But who are you struggling with? Who is it that you know is struggling? Because I'm going to tell you something. Working with teens for 10 years, I know many teens that were on the verge of their life ending, and simple words like, I love you, simple words like, I need you to be here, simple words like, I want you here in my life, changed their entire life forever. So who is it that you have in your life right now that needs to hear those words, I love you? So Pastor Jules is going to come up and she's going to She's going to lead us in a song here. And I want you to take a moment. And I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. But then I want you to connect with somebody. And I really do not want you to leave this place with the mentality of, I'll do it next week. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll think about it today and I'll do it tomorrow. Because I want to tell you something. You're going to forget about it by the time you leave. I want you to take this moment. And if you're like, hey, man, the person I need to talk to, they don't text make a phone call. You can walk right out this door and make a phone call right now. You can make a phone call and let everybody in on it. Speaker phone it. We're okay with that too. But it's a challenge for a reason. So who is it that needs to hear those words today? I love you. Three simple words that can change somebody's life forever. Jesus said, I love you this much that I'm willing to die for you. He didn't know us yet. He knew that he was going to be spit on. He knew that we would be the ones to put him there. But he loved us anyway. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for being the light that always shines in the darkness, that always points us in the way that we need to go, that shakes up our world even when we, we believe and we feel that there's no more moving to happen. I pray today that we can be your hands and your feet. I pray today that we change somebody's life just by a simple text message of I love you. Sometimes it's the hardest thing to be able to do because we just get so consumed with the fact that we just don't want that person to know. Maybe it's struggles from a past relationship or maybe it's family struggles and family ties. Maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's an old friend, whatever it might be. I pray that you put it on our hearts. I thank you for loving us, for caring for us, for choosing us. Father, we love you so much. In your name I pray. Amen. So take this.